and I have with me today a very special guest. He's a great friend of mine. He's been a help and support with this uh, podcast and uh, me generally for advice. Um, I actually made my uh, podcast debut on his show. He's the host of the 99 Forever podcast, Eric Friesen. Welcome to the show, Eric. Oh, hey, Sam. Thanks for having me. It was a uh... It was great to have you as a guest on uh, my podcast back in January, and now I'm, I'm glad I could return the favor by jumping on yours. Yeah, I wanted to uh, return the favor and that, um, and it's always great to uh, have good guests on and, and that. So, uh, yeah, how's everything all uh, going there, Eric? You know, not too bad. You know, we're starting to get some warmer weather here. It's turning into summer. Things are getting better with all the COVID cases going down. But then again, where I live, there really wasn't a ton of cases in the first place. I just know that, you know, with everything going on in the world right now, with all the protests everywhere in the United States, as well as all the people who are sick from COVID, it'll be nice to have something to look forward to and kind of get life a little bit back on track this summer, and hopefully happier times ahead. And what I'm kind of referencing there is, for sports fans getting sports back on the field and specifically for us, the Stanley cup playoffs in hopefully July or August starting. Yeah. It'd be good. be good to uh, get that. Yeah. Um, because I mean, sports brings everyone together and you know, if, if we're all cheering for uh, one, for a sports team, be that hockey or anything else where, uh, you know, we're sort of united and it, it does help in that way. Oh, absolutely. And look, I know that a lot of people are really excited that basketball will come back. Obviously, the NBA is bigger than the NHL. But, you know, especially here in Canada, hockey is the king. So to have NHL back on the ice will be great. And uh, I think we both know the Oilers deserve to be in the playoffs this year. They finished second place in the Pacific Division. And you'd hate to see such a great season lost where they don't get a chance to contend for a Stanley Cup. So personally, I'm just happy that I get to watch my team in the playoffs this summer. You know, this is only the second time in my adult life that I've seen the Oilers in the playoffs because the <laughs> last time, the time, the two times ago, I was 17 when they made it. And then I didn't see it again until I was 28 and now I'm 31. So it's uh, it, it hasn't happened very often for me in my life, but this is something that I am really keen on, especially for guys like you and me who love the team and follow the team so closely. It's uh, it's gonna be great. Oh yeah, it's uh, I can't wait to uh, see them all back. And uh, I mean, a few of my uh, friends who I was speaking to on uh, Twitter, uh, referencing Deems and Dima, um, they were a bit uh pissed off that we have to go through qualifying round and we don't get a bye despite being first having more points than Boston um (laughs) we're doing that um well the thing with the qualifying round some people have said that it's just a way to get more teams in the league so the league can make more money and I can't really fault them for that when you think about it the NHL has lost a ton of revenue already just by having the league shut down the past three months. So for them to try and recoup some of those losses, they really need to get the league back going, make as much money as they can in a short period of time, have a quick off season and then start the next season back up. And hopefully 
have fans back in the seats by the time it starts up. So I don't really blame them for having the qualifying round. I think if I had one issue, it's that the Oilers didn't get a first round buy and that Dallas did. Because mm-hmm. if you think about it, we were the only second place team in the NHL that didn't get that. In yeah. the East, both the first and second teams made it. And then in the West, it didn't. But of course, the reason for that is that they're taking the top four teams from each conference. Yeah. And it just so happens that the Dallas Stars were just slightly ahead of Edmonton in terms of point percentage. However, the Oilers had the same amount of wins as them. They beat Dallas head-to-head, I think, two out of three games. And Dallas yeah. was on a six-game losing streak. So the team really wasn't trending in the right direction. It just, To me, it just kind of felt a little disappointing. Edmonton didn't get a first-round bye, but you know what? I'm still happy I get to watch them this summer nonetheless. Yep, yeah, I totally agree with you, mate. Um, and uh, looking at what who they've got, Colorado Avalanche, I think I would rather... Uh, have the game against uh, the Blackhawks and uh, basically warm, you know, warm up yeah. and it's to get a good start off, and then we can ease into it. Um, because if we get past the uh, Blackhawks, will it could be it could be da- Dallas, and we all know how jinx that we can be with them. Right, and I mean yeah. it could be any of the three teams. Yeah, that that still has to be determined by their own uh, mini tournament that they'll be playing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, look, I'm just happy to see them in a best-of-five series, honestly. Yeah. How many times have we seen the Oilers in the playoffs in recent years? Like it, we, You have to cherish these times, and I really hope that with the guys they have leading the charge right now, there will be better days ahead, and there will be a lot more playoff performances. But as of right now, like I said, this is just the second in the McDavid and Dreisaitl era. So hopefully... Yeah. Yeah. There will be a lot more, but we have to cherish these ones. And I think that uh, these these two young guys could do some damage when we get there. And that is a benefit that Edmonton was the fifth seed and they get to play the 12th seed Blackhawks. So yeah. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. Um, what's your thoughts on the actual um, series, uh, you know, on the overall, uh, you know, again, playing the Blackhawks and, uh, and that? Well, actually, if you don't mind, I wrote an article not too long ago uh, that okay. people can go check out at the Hockey Writers. It was three reasons why the Oilers will beat the Blackhawks. And yeah. I said the Oilers' power play, which was very dominant, going up against Chicago's penalty kill, which still, I think, ranked ninth in the league, which isn't terrible. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to be any match for the Oilers' power play. Um, mm. I talked about how I think the Oilers have more talent up front, which isn't something that they have been able to say for a long time. Yeah. And uh, we'll see if they win the goaltending battle. You know, uh, there's no guarantees that they, they outlast Corey Crawford. He has won a Stanley cup before yeah. uh, multiple, actually, I believe. Um, but for a, a team like the Oilers, the way Miko Koskinen and Mike Smith were playing this year by splitting time. Yeah. Those two guys together could form some, type of a lethal combination in the playoffs again i think it's more likely that Tippett will ride one guy more than the other and i think mike smith will be the one uh, to start his relationship I you yeah agree? i agree mate yeah i agree mate i think it will it'll start with smith um i mean it is you know Koskinen's obviously great when he's fresh and that is at and go on a run but i think it'll probably be mainly smith just for the experience um 
you know, being in play of the playoffs. So um, it'll probably experience might play a part. But I mean, it depends on the game to game and what what specific game. Um, I I think they will struggle uh, Chicago. I, I mean, if you look at their first line, you you know you've you've got is it second is it first or second? Yeah, it's Taves plays on second line, right? Or is it Kane well? The, the thing with Taves is sometimes they can put him with Kane, but I think they will I separate. Them. Yeah. Uh, oh, also another reason I wanted to mention from my article: the Oilers' new guys will have time to adjust. Like Kyler Ennis looked pretty good. Uh, Mike Green got hurt early. Athanasiu had a good start and then kind of took a little while to get up to pace after that. So I think with all these guys having a training camp to adjust to their new teammates and surroundings, that they're going to exceed expectations here. So I really like uh, the additions Holland made and they kind of give them some added depth. Yeah. So that, that'll help as well as just to mention on defense, they have a lot of the same defense coming back from their playoff run in 2017. Obviously guys like Caleb Jones and Ethan Bear are the new guys in the mix, but yeah. uh, there's, there's talent there that the Oilers could do some damage. And don't forget the Blackhawks traded away um, Eric Gustafson at the deadline to Calgary and yeah. they traded away Robin Leonard to Vegas. So <laughs> I was just going to make that point. Yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. They, they, yeah. They didn't think they were going to the playoffs. So actually, they did the Oilers yeah. a favor yeah. by trading away some of their yeah. talented players right before the yeah. playoff series. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, if uh, Crawford goes down, they're in real <laughs> trouble uh, having traded Leonard and. Custerson, like you've just said. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, well, I mean, you've also got to add in, Eric, as well, the, you know, you've got Nygaard coming back from injury who's been out. Um, I think we've got four, you know, as, as far as D, we've having Bear, Jones, Clefbaum, and, you know, great, you've got four um, puck-moving defensemen that, you know, especially Bear, you know, and Jones that, vision can make a good first pass yeah um you know and a great i think also you know if you i've just mentioned that first like yeah we've got mcdavid i think it could be likely uh you could have neil or ennis but it, or play with cassie and mcdavid but as far as containing that I mean, personally i don't think they've got the defense necessarily to do that but i think the biggest problem is they can't match up to Oilers on the second line. You've Drysaddle, Yamamoto, and Nuge. They're going to have a real problem. Who they got on the second yeah. line with Dylan, Dylan Strome? Dylan Strome. Some. It's going to be. I can't. I can't see how they really get past that. If if we get going and we, yeah, some the Black players we've got, they really need to spread out their. I mean, they really need to spread out their their talent because if they have Taves and Kane on the same line and they want them to go up against McDavid. Well, yeah. then Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and Yamamoto are just going to carve in whoever yeah. was yeah. on the second line. And yeah, I like Kirby Doc. He played for my hometown, Saskatoon Blades, in his yeah. junior days. Um, but I would still say that uh, the Oilers have a, a very good shot in this series. And 
Um, I anyway, but it, it, for anyone who wants to check out my article on some of, some of the reasons I think the Oilers will beat the Blackhawks and some more extensive analysis, uh, if you want to go to either my Twitter page or to thehockeywriters.com and check out uh, articles by Eric Friesen, I would really appreciate that. Absolutely, mate. I'm always happy to uh, give you, you know, it's happy a shout out on uh, any articles and I'll give you a podcast a shout out at, at the end as well. That's that that be yours. Um, yeah, I did have a, like a question, question for you relating to that actually. Um, well, when I found you on, when we all found each other on sort of Twitter, I listened to podcast, mm-hmm. Michael's podcast and we did all, and uh, that's how we all met. Um, yeah. But you were, I, I also recall that you wrote for Oil on Why. Um, I, I would just, just to, uh, Give information on that because I don't know very much. Um, okay, uh, that's where I started writing in. I think June 2015, and I wrote there for about four years until August 2019, and then uh, another friend of mine who I've had on the podcast, Shane Sander. Oh yeah, used to, he used to write at the Hockey Writers. He uh, encouraged me to come over and join the team at the Hockey Writers, so I. I went over there and uh, started writing with him, and then after a little while, Shane—excuse me—Shane took a Shane took a, a hiatus from writing, and he's still not blogging right now, but still providing lots of quality content on Twitter. Um, uh, but he is—he's uh, another good person to follow, and yeah, uh, following, yeah, always has a lot of uh, quality insight about the Oilers and NHL in general. So I appreciate him coming over but yeah that's where i sort of got my start was with oil on white had a, a good four years over there excellent covering the oilers and uh that's where i sort of cut my teeth and just kind of got into the the writing game i guess you could say like i've i've always had an interest in journalism and blogging and writing like i've i've got my journalism grad uh diploma and i've yeah got my broadcasting diploma as well so i mean this is something that i've had a lot of focus on or something that i've wanted to do for a while but actually having the opportunity to put my stuff out there and write about a topic that i'm passionate about like the oilers and hockey this is this is what i always wanted to do and i'm I'm glad for anyone who takes the time to read it because uh when when someone appreciates the the work that you put in it it makes it all the more worth it so yeah, it's the oil on white was a good experience. Oh yeah, I always uh, I always love uh, reading your stuff. Mate. It's uh, and uh, your thoughts because uh, you're very knowledgeable on well, all things you. oilers and uh, I was you know, on oil prospects. But yeah, yeah. no, I, I I appreciate all the the kind words. I I just I is when I first met you, I I was I wasn't with them anymore, so I didn't even know that you knew I knew I was with oil on white. Oh yeah, I've I've been. I've been. Uh, okay. I'm always. I'm always. Follow, I'm always uh, following. I've been around uh, for about three and a half years, mate. I'm always. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm always uh, looking and uh, all any stuff to do with uh, Oilers, be it podcasts or or blogs or or stuff uh, to read. I'm mainly. I mean, for me, blogs. I'm not so much a writer because I'm not. I ain't can't come from that journalistic. Yeah. I prefer to. Uh, I'm better talking about stuff rather than writing it. Um, and Michael sort of sounded that same way. Michael, uh, um, he said it on his podcast too. He 
he prefers to talk as well as opposed to just uh as opposed to just putting out articles I mean, some do both. I mean, Tyler has his uh, own log and then he does a podcast and that would take a lot of time up that to do, but to be able to do both. But at the end of the day, it's a passion, mate. And, you know, if you're passionate about something, definitely go for it. And I mean, are you, uh, is this mainly something you do in your spare time or are you seeing it more as uh, going into a sort of professional and making money off it? Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, um, uh, it, it is a it is a, a paid job that I do with the hockey writers. I don't I don't usually talk about money or anything, but I I I am a paid employee there. Uh, oh, that's okay. What's that? That's okay. Oh yeah. yeah. No, no, not after month after. Uh, <laughs> I don't after disclosing all that. I would just wouldn't have. Well, I'm just kidding. It, paid it is a job I do, but obviously, like I would rather work even more in full-time media and um i i have worked at tv stations before uh but it would be great to find permanent employment and i and i am still hopeful that i will but uh, that that has been a very rewarding experience for me uh getting to do those chances and actually when i was working at a tv station in lloyd minster alberta I had the chance to interview Oilers legend Ryan Smith. So sometimes just right place at the right time, and I got that wonderful opportunity. Great honor. I'd love to do that. I uh, I remember I was listen, watching uh, Michael's podcast um, yeah. on uh, YouTube on that, and uh, he was interviewing uh, Amy Jones, and then uh, Caleb mm-hmm. pops in room. He popped in. I yeah, that was. Awesome. I know that was. How cool is that? <laughs> yeah, very cool. I think it helps that they were in the same house, but uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, <clears throat> that was a that was a good uh, a good get for the show. And also, don't don't forget uh, another Oiler fan favorite, George Larocque, was just recently on the show. Oh, one of my favorites, George. So there's been uh, there's been some some popular players making their appearance recently yeah yeah it's uh but yeah i mean um but i mean just to switch just to sort of switch um transition on me um yeah. was uh we we know the second line we're all you know yamo dry and and uh, we all know that's done all absolutely incredible this year specific you know uh, yamamoto it shows an example the you know, if you can be patient and players go down and uh, work on the game, then you bring them up when they're ready and they take the chance. Then, you know, he got the chance. Tippett gave him a chance in top six, playing with dry, and he took his chance. And But we sent him and we were patient. He's been a total surprise, uh, Yamamoto. I, I wasn't expecting that. What he were like before, were, I, I always thought that, he was struggling to shoot and he didn't shoot, um, but he's worked on that. He's been totally, uh, you know, the surprise um, thing. But he always had the talent with, uh, you know, with pick what he were having and that. Um, so we yeah. all know he's done it, you know, and I'm sure you would agree with how good Yamamoto has been. Um, yeah, he's, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Yamamoto and I, I was really excited when the Oilers drafted him and I remember Wayne Gretzky talking about him when Yamamoto was drafted, saying how 
there are certain aspects of Yamamoto's game that Gretzky said reminds him of himself. So that's very high praise. Uh, I don't know if they're exactly the same type of player, but they can both relate to being, you know, kind of smaller guys who were underestimated. And yeah, that's just a, a big opportunity for the Oilers to add another young, talented piece to the puzzle. Yeah, because that's been, well, that's been really good for us, to be honest with you, Eric, because it's meant that we've not had to, you know, that a player's come that we drafted. Um, it's not only, I don't know, it's probably on a low, it's, it's past his ELC, right? Or is he still on his ELC? No, uh, he is going into the final year of his uh, rookie contract. Right, okay. Right, okay. Um, but yeah, so it's meant that we've not had to, um, you know, go out and trade for, you know, a wing. It's meant oh, we've not had to do a big massive trade, so it's been huge beneficial for us. Yeah, as great as getting Athanasiu was, and I think that he will be an effective player for the Oilers, um, getting Yamamoto just before New Year's was the best trade acquisition that the Oilers could have got. He mm. finished. 26 points in 27 games. Uh, not bad for his, you know, first primary season in the NHL. And people forget, like, he was really effective in the second half of the season. The guy's still yet to play a full NHL season. I think two years ago he played nine games. Last year I think he only played – he only play three – no, he might have played – no, no, yeah. my apologies. Last year he played 17 games. And then this year, uh, 27. So this is still a guy with, you know, around just around 50 games, a little under 50 games played in the NHL. So we really still haven't even seen him over the course of a full 82-game season. But there's some really positive signs, and he took big steps forward this season. So I'm excited to see what Yamamoto is going to do next year. Yeah, I, I am as well. Hopefully, uh, you know, we can, uh, you know, keep up and obviously work and improve and all that. Yeah. The main, but the big question is uh, w- w- what I was going to ask you, Eric, was um, what type of winger would 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 ideally suit McDavid? Would what would what would you say regarding that first line? For I mean, obviously, it's going to be. It's not for. It's more for the uh, after the uh, playoffs. Um, because he's obviously going to play with, uh, you know, Cass or any, so Neil have got that. But what would you say would be McDavid's ideal winger? Uh, on the team right now, I I think they would go back to Zach Cassian for one because mm-hmm. he plays his best hockey in the playoffs. Yeah. And he was already having a really strong regular season, was on pace for a career year, if not for couple injuries, couple or one injury anyway, kind of a couple suspensions. Yeah. So I would put him back there at right wing, and I would still go with Athanasiu at left wing because that line would be just blazing fast across the board. All three guys can fly, and I think that type of speed and skill and toughness on that line would be very hard for the Blackhawks to contend with because you've got McDavid, who's the best player in the world, You've got Athanasiu, who's got some nice scoring touch, and like I alluded to, some real wheels. Mm-hmm. And then Cassian, another fast train, but also brings 
that bigger body, that toughness can hit. And I think those three elements all in one line would be a lot of trouble for Chicago. And if they are able to somehow shut them down, you got Drysaddle's line coming right over the boards, and that's going to be just as hard. Yeah. So you would have you would have um, uh, Yamamoto. Yeah, I want to keep the Yamamoto. Hopkins dry side line together. So, so you're talking about the first, you're talking about putting um having to see you with McDavid and uh Cassian. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. But in terms of like the future, w- would you what would would you prefer to like go for a trade or would you would that be what Holland should be looking for in the 2020 draft? I mean yeah, I think the Oilers are going to take a forward, and I think the forward they take will either will either be playing with Nugent Hopkins or playing with Drysdale or playing with McDavid down the roads. Some they'll be put with some of them. Uh, they've also got Raphael Lavoie, a really talented shooter, coming along. He'll be, be a contender at some point, but like I said, he still needs a couple of years in a Baker's yeah. and then. When he comes up, you don't want to throw him just right onto the first line. But that's a guy who could make a bit of a quick jump just because he's a, an older birthday uh, for yeah. the 2000 class. And if I think to what they'll do this year, if they add another forward, one of those guys will eventually take that spot from more likely Cassian, I would think. Mm-hmm. But we're on Athens to in for a reason. And I think that he and McDavid will be playing together for a while. Yeah, I think the thing we might we often see you is, um, I mean, he's he's definitely got his uh, he's definitely got speed in it, you know, McDavid and him with like lightning. Um, what what I think McDavid obviously needs is he probably needs someone sort to create space if you know it, you know, and sort to get the puck. I don't know if with that. Um, so because I was speaking with Kel. Kelly over day and uh, he said something up about you know just give it creating space on the ice in order to get that pass and get put yeah. past to McDavid because McDavid's going to obviously dump have most of the puck within that shape. Um, you know he's going to have a lot when he's on the ice. Um, but that was just what just suggestion. I was just keen to get your thoughts, mate. Just see what you sort of made of it. Um, we're getting that because I don't know. It's uh, but. I'm no, it's not no concern regarding for me with regarding McDavid. Um, you know, any line that's got McDavid on is going to be incredible. Yeah, um, no, uh, I, I think the top six is going to be a real challenge for Chicago. And as yeah. long as the bottom six can play even hockey or close to it, then the Oilers will have a really good chance to at least beat the Blackhawks and we'll see where they go from there. Yeah, but on when it comes to uh. D pairings. Um, what's your thoughts on the there um, first? And uh, the main thing, it, Bouchard's likely to be ready for next year or next. Well, next season, whenever that. When I mean, are we talking uh, January or something after or November time? Whenever that starts, because we haven't got a date for playoffs yet. Um, so. Who do you think is going to be bumped out to slide Evan Bouchard back in, in to the lineup? 
is you're going to start on third. You, you would obviously think that you'd want to start him on third pair to get him used to the NHL. Um, but uh, that, I was just curious what your thoughts were. Sorry, you kind of cut out for half a second there, Sam. Can you say that last part again? Yeah, oh, sorry. Um, what's your take on uh, D pairings? Um, and who's likely to... Yeah, yeah and no, who's... I thought you said, and then it just kind of glitched on my computer again. Sorry yeah. about that. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I was just talking about uh, Evan Bouchard, Bouchard coming in next year. Um, and um, who, do we, who do you think he'll, he'll obviously have to make way? You'd, we would think that you'd want, he might be starting on, uh, make, you know, third pair, then work him up the lineup. And that's sort of why I think that Mike Green might not be back. He's just here for the playoff push. Yeah. Uh, they have to open up a spot for their top young defenseman like that. And knowing Ken Holland, he could even start in the minors again. But I think that Bouchard will be ready. Mm. You know, there's news out today that one of their prospects, Dmitry Samarukov, is going to the KHL next year. So that oh. opens up another spot in Bakersfield that they'll need to fill on, on defense. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, looking at Bouchard, he should be ready to make that jump. And he's such a quality defenseman as it is that – with that type of offensive talent, the Oilers are going to be pushing for him to be on the power play sooner than later. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised to see this guy start the season in Edmonton. And like I said, he's he's going to be in the first year of his ELC. Uh, just another benefit to being a late birthday and when he signed his contract. So I'm, I'm excited yeah. about that. And uh, look, he takes not much time at all to warm up to a league. It happened in the OHL. It happened in the AHL. And I think he'll find his footing in Edmonton pretty quickly. And from there, it'll just be off to the races, I think. Oh, absolutely. Gar's got a bullet shot on power play and he's, for, he's definitely got, you know, to be a top, absolutely top pair defenseman when he's, you know, yeah. when, when he's fully developed, absolutely. I mean, we've we sort of that's the strongest area for uh, Edmonton. Oh, I mean, because you know, you think you know, we've got you know, Bear Jones, Bouchard, you've got Broberg that's probably a couple of years away, but you think about those that compare all those day defensemen that we've got, and then we've got Nurse and Clefbot, you think all those. I mean, it's, I don't want to, I, you, there's a comparison with Nashville, right? You know, you look at Euler's D that we've got and coming up with Nashville, a situation like Nashville. Nashville, you know, I was lucky to watch Edmonton beat them on my birthday this year back in January. <laughs> I think I was actually talking to you on the drive home. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, a team swept in the season series this year and um uh that's a team i wouldn't mind playing if they moved on to but the oilers wouldn't get them for a while they'll, they'll be playing one of the teams that uh got a first round by but yeah there's there's some other teams in the west who who could make pushes yeah but the main no but the the what the what i was what i was saying is you look at nashville nashville have built a the strong team on strong defense. Right. You look at Edmonton. We've got and look at what we've got and what we've got That's coming up. Yeah, the defense. We 
we've got strong it, defense. It's so weird to say that because for years that was just a black hole in Edmonton, and now yeah. all of a sudden there's like this array of talent that's really pushing this group to the next level, and that's what they've needed for so long. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, I mean, that's been. We've always like we, you know, we've had the forwards in the past, the high scoring forwards, the Olds, the Eberleys, you know, and all that, and McDavid's, and Vadol, Drysart, or all those. But on the de- on defence, we've been, you know, that's been the area on um, uh, that we've not been as quite as uh, the sort of weakness um, that, if you like. Um, but I mean, moving on to goaltending, uh, Eric. Um, because there's a notable thing, and I'm just keen to get your opinion on it. Uh, Koskinen, we've got Koskinen, we've got, we've got Smith. Well, I mean, Smith, you would probably say is going to be, um, you know, is that that's our goaltending joke. Well, do you think? It, yeah, do you think there could be a possibility of um, uh, how real is the possibility of um, being a cheeky? Uh, Yorkshire, I'm just keen to get on um, Braden Altby it's coming up UFA. Do you think know, that would be a move? It's interesting you say that. Um I talked about that on one of my last podcasts with Kirk and yeah. I would be I would be interested because I think that he's gonna leave Washington. They already have their goalie in the future of the future. Yeah. So there, there could be a spot there. I think the question is, is it a right fit or cost? Because remember, he's also from Lloydminster, so not too far from Edmonton. It would be close to home. Yeah. He also once again played in my hometown of Saskatoon, so I saw him play there. But yeah. for him to for him to come over and play in his home market, you know, at age thirty, this yeah. is. Uh, this is a point in his career where he wants to probably hit a, a big paycheck and with the sal- with the salary cap probably staying flat this year, I just don't know how much he would be asking for and how much the Oilers would have to spend. Like they'd have to find a way to probably trade Koskinen's contract because I don't think they could have Holpe at let's say six and a half million and then Koskinen at four and a half because now you're paying over ten million on two gold yeah. and that's just too much in my opinion so there'd be yeah. some things they'd have to work out but if they if they could somehow figure out uh how to do it then i would i would have interest in that yeah because he's still i think he's still got a lot to offer um you know yeah. and he's going to get um i don't i don't know i, I we'll have to wait and see on that one but it just lead me into a, me, me other question that i've also got Eric, what do you think the chances of compliance buyouts after this being uh, done? There's yeah. a chance. I mean, they. I was listening to Jonathan Willis from the Athletic talking about it on the radio this morning, and it has happened in the past when they've had things like lockouts and stuff. So, for them to potentially bring that back in, it could benefit a lot of teams because now you're sort of getting rid of one bad contract and by getting rid of those it gives you a chance to sign other players and I think the PA is always in favor of 
uh, more deals getting signed and more money going out to players. So I would I would think that there's a chance this happens, and maybe that could be one of the bright spots out of this whole terrible situation that the league's in right now. Yeah, because it would, uh, you know, we lost the revenue at the in the arena at Rogers. Yeah. You know, teams are gonna obviously there's going to be in it to teams, so uh, it it does raise questions because I was thinking whether without the playoffs. I mean that you got they've got TV they've got I think the TV deal in uh, US is um, coming up, um, so it does lead to you know we all that it whether it could what the effect it could have on whether they could be, be allowed one or two compliance buyouts yeah and if the um, you know and what effect it would have on the cap whether the cap would I mean ideally we'd like to keep it the same but we obviously wouldn't want I don't. I can't see it being raised in this current, if anything. Probably keep it, probably be roughly the same, probably. But I, we don't know. We don't know yet. They'll have, they'll have to uh, see about that. But I was just sort of curious on whether we could, because that's going to give a... There's a lot of teams and a lot of bad contracts in well, the initial. Um, who are you thinking? Oh, God, there's, there's a lot of candidates. Um they could buy out Cassian, but you know. Well, yeah, oh, can't the NHL? Yeah, yet. yeah. I'm not 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 a lot of candidates on this Oilers team. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, James Neal. James yeah. Neal would probably be the one I would do. Yeah. Uh, same. It's just even though he could still help the team next year and moving forward, I think having that extra five and a half million. Yeah. Down the road, when his you know, abilities start to wane a little bit. I think that's a huge help. Yeah, because I mean, I pra- I mean, I like James Neal. I'm, I, you know, and I won't honestly say go, but because I've always like, but um, I mean, considering his place in lineup, I mean, you know, to pay five and five point five for, you know, what would be a third, what he has played re- more recently, that third or fourth line winger. It's 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 quite a lot of money. It's not like Lucic, where is you know where it's buyout proof and you can't, you know, it's impossible to get. Um, and Neil and Cassian showed they can produce. I mean, we already knew that yeah. more about Neil than Cassian, but yeah, it, it is a lot of money when we start talking about that type of dollar figure in your bottom two lines. Yeah, so it's something that they'll have to address. I'm glad we got Ken Holland in charge because if there's and if you want managing that situation, he's the guy. Yeah. I mean, the only other one that I've heard would be Russell, but I think Russell will, Chris Russell, they'll probably more or less trade. I could see him trading that Russell rather than buying him out um, because on July 1st or whenever, whenever trade deadline is, I don't, I don't know. Uh, usually the end of February for trade deadline. Because they were July, they were July first free agency, right? Yeah, but that's trade dead. Yeah, the trade deadline, and then this free free agency, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm still, you know, I'm British, Eric. You know, no, no, no. <laughs> trade deadline is usually somewhere around February twenty fourth, and you can still make trades after that, but those players just aren't eligible to play in the playoffs. 
And it's, you know, July 1st is Canada Day here. So it's like big national celebrations every year. And it sort of coincides with NHL free agency. So it's kind of a nice fun mix for Canadian hockey fans. Anyway, they get to everyone go out and have a barbecue or for some people have some drinks, watch the fireworks and then find out if their hockey team signed any new players. It'll be a little different this year because instead Mm -hmm. of uh, acquiring new talent, it's going to be quite the opposite as they're getting ready for the season or well, the season back anyway. It's going to be uh, a bit, a bit strange really with oh yeah all that but uh, but yeah i can but i could see him moving russ because once his bonus has been paid on it and he's had his bonus paid doesn't is a is avv av what is going to um it's probably go down to um doesn't he go down to 1.6 on cap once he's had his bonus paid russell so that's going to be an easier. It's going to be an easier contract to trade, and and his his uh, it seems on his no move list is going to go goes from ten to fifteen. So it's going to. So we've got that situation. So I could probably see Holland moving that moving him probably uh, Russell. But I mean, you know, you're gonna. I don't know if that all this comes after playoff, but we're going to need but. You know, you might need a bit of experience on that. I mean, it's okay. Uh, it's okay, I think. But, I mean, I don't know. We're just getting your thoughts on that, uh, Eric, um, on Russell. Whether you Could you see yeah. him getting traded? He's only got uh, one year left. I think that they will try to move Chris Russell just because it seems like they like Caleb Jones there. I think he's already a yeah. better defenseman. Yeah. And if they want to run... If they want to run of pairings of Nurse and Bear, Larson, Clefbaum, and then go with Jones and Bouchard. Now you got two young guys on the bottom six. Jones is, I mean, at least a few or two, a little over two years older and has about 50 games in the NHL. But still, uh, Bouchard probably would ha- like to have someone more experienced to play with. So, that's the only reason I could see that they maybe hold on to Russell just as a defenseman, and then you kind of swap him and Jones in and out for whatever situation you need. Yeah. But it's a lot of money to be paying a guy to sit in the press box at $4 million. Yeah, 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 I bet. But, uh, yeah, that's um, – but we'll have to, we'll have to uh, wait and see on that because, I mean, there's a lot up in air at minute regarding – I'm not quite. Do you have any? You're you're here in Canada. What what? How is this going to? So we're going to have the. We're moving from stage. We're in stage two, right? When is stage three? Um, obviously, when they have training camp and players like for exhibition, then then it goes to stage four. Um, where we play games. Yeah, they have. They they still have a lot to announce, but at least they have a training camp date set. Yeah. So they know they'll be back on the ice as a team on July 10th. That's when coaches can be out there practicing with them. So it's it's, it's going to be a good time. So what – are they going to announce the date of the draft and then um, the 
uh, is free agency still going to happen the same as it normally would? No. Uh, it, it'll get pushed back till probably October. Right, uh, okay. It'll, it'll work the same way that it always works, but you can't have free agency on July 10th and then have the season start on July mm. 12th. You need to have that one. Yeah, you're going to push it back. Yeah. And, and I hope that... Uh, yeah. That the Oilers can figure that out, yeah. Yes, I am great. Because I did find some of what um, Batman said um, in his announcement a bit confusing because obviously because <laughs> it all that we ju- we go- we're all just gonna have to um here's a uh, good uh, question for you eric what football fans soccer fans over here have a game day ritual what's the usual day for going to a life day in life of an oilers fan on a game day is it going to you know obviously get get you know Games obviously start in evening, so would they? Did they go to a pub before a get that pub? Then go in and get an hot dog before <laughs> hour, hour before a game starts, or did they all congregate and meet in pub? Then walk to Rogers. Um, and I'm, I'm just curious what it, what it all. Or did they have a? Or did they go in Rogers place, meeting bar? Or where um Mingate what call that for you. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Where they all you know at top of escalators, what what's that place called? In Rogers. Uh, you know Ford, as you're going up. Ford Hall. Ford, Ford Hall, yeah. Or did they all meet on Ford Hall uh, and then walking going to uh, uh game and the seats together? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, a lot. Of, it looked a lot of fun, and I wish I could go to Edmonton and watch games this summer. Unfortunately, we won't be seeing it at least for another year. So, this was yeah. going to be something I'd been looking forward to a long time to finally see a playoff game in my life. But uh, we yeah. got more year, right? Yeah, I'm just curious to what a di- what a you know what normally what a game day would be like. What you know and what. Oilers fans would do before a game day where the whether they would meet because football fans over here meeting they all meet in pub then walked at ground and then going ground. I'm just wondering if it's the same there in Edmonton because we do that in Steelers as well. Or if there's any look good bars around there, <laughs> just in case I go. Yeah. Um, yeah, what's what's usually the best place to sit in Rogers? Because uh... I kind of have a couple sections that I normally sit in. I'm usually 204, 203, and I think I've sat on the other side, you know, 207, 20, or uh, 217, 218. For me, like I sit on the upper deck. Uh, it's so expensive on the lower bowl. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes feel like you get it even just as good of a vantage point up there. And I'm usually somewhere on the opposition blue line, so you get to see the Oilers attack twice. Yeah, but uh, that's that's sort of where I like to be, sort of on the blue line, really watch a, a good celebration there, and that's yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, I'll give you where I normally would sit in Sheffield Arena, and I'll tell you a place where it won't be sitting. I don't like seats behind a plexiglass behind the boards because you know you sit 
right behind the boards or behind the players' bench. You know, you're constantly looking down. You've got your head turned and you're looking down ice and you can't see fully down the ice if you sat at the front behind the boards. So that's the worst place for me to sit at a hockey game. I've only sat there twice. The only, um, One of the times I was sat next to some fan who we were losing 3-1 in on Boxing Day against Nottingham Panthers. And uh, this woman who was sat next to me started uh, had a go at players after end at first period and told them to get you know told them <laughs> you know told them to sort it out and was giving Jonathan Phillips our captain <laughs> a bit of a uh, bit of a mouthful because telling him off because we were losing 3-1 so he would get, having a right go at <laughs> um that's the, that's only one that's one memory that I've got um which is strange actually because it worked Eric because we came back and we won that game in 2011 uh so that were that were that were a good. So she must have. Uh, they must have took notice. Must have said she. I've, <laughs> she's not happy here on front row. Um, but that the best the best seats for me in Sheffield Arena is probably I like to sit at back because I can see all the ice and all the boards and look. I sit on the side and at the back, right at the back because that's for me that's the best view because I can see the whole. Uh, inside arena, um, there's nothing worse than sitting on lower on lower deck in arena or behind plexiglass. That's my, that's just my um, um, my preference anyway. Um, we don't our arena is obviously not nowhere near as big as Rogers, but even even if we even we any other sport football, I, I I sit it back. I always have done. Um, um, you, you've uh, took it. You've took part in uh, Oilers Live Cup, Eric. Um, what's usual day events for for that? Um, uh, Oilers Live Cup. Uh, well, aside yeah. from the game where we raise money, you know they they do raffles and giving away tickets to the game that night. They had the Oilers anthem singer Robert Clark come out. The yeah. team mascot Hunter the Lynx. And it's just a really great way to raise money for a great cause. And, you know, if we can go out and play hockey and that's how they are able to dish out uh, uh, some good funds for a good cause, then, yeah, it's, it's all worth it. And a lot yeah, of absolutely. I was on the yeah. winning team this year, too, so that made it even more fun. Well, we're a team mega thread or team. Um, <laughs> I was <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it team. Uh, guys, so I, I hope uh, uh, I hope that uh, you'll get to come out one day too. I have a friend yeah. in Australia who's a big Oiler fan too, and he always says the same thing. He loves oh, to come back to Edmonton someday. You have to. You have to um, hook me up with him. Is he on Twitter? Yeah, that's so true. Is he? Is he on Twitter, Eric? Because you have to, because I've got family out in Australia at Gold Coast in Queensland. Yeah, my friend, he he is uh, Chester Taylor. I'll get his Chester Twitter handle for you. Yeah, cool, mate. Because I've got um, I've He's, got uh, family out there. Yeah, he was my second ever episode, and actually, I'll have him back on the podcast uh, next week for episode sixteen. Oh, cool. So just underscore and then Chester Taylor. I think his dad actually was British too. Oh. And 
he was raised in the Philippines and then Australia, but his dad was, uh, I think, of British descent and maybe German too. But yeah, he's a good guy if you ever want to get in contact. Oh, with him. oh cool. He'd be, he'd be a great guy to uh, talk oh, yeah. to. Yeah, I mean, just but always just think, Eric. Uh, while you're while you're over there in Canada, if yeah. you know you've got your you've got a family uh, ancestral ties to Leeds, right? Yeah, you, I do. You've always said just think that you would have this accent if you lived over here. <laughs> yeah. Somebody in your family once had this accent, Yorkshire accent. You know, my grandparents <laughs> were even born in Canada, though, so you have to think how long ago. Yeah, it was. Way way back, yeah. But like my great grandparents were were from uh, Scotland, and then in England they were from specific. Yeah, there were lots of lots of interesting stories about how. Uh, yeah. How everyone's got their own family ties to different places, but uh, England is a place I'd like to visit. My sister has been there, but I'm still waiting to make my first trek out there. Yeah, mate. Well, if you ever get out here. Yeah. Um, hopefully we will, and I'm, I absolutely want to go to Edmonton. It's a place I've got to go, and I'm How sure. Understand. You want to visit when they play like three or four home games in a row and see a few games. If you're going to, oh, oh definitely, yeah, I'd love to go because, do you know though? If I went, the thing this is this is why it's great on Iowa's Twitter because I'm sure if I, if I announced that I was if I got announced and got flights out there, I'm sure. And set, put it onto it. I'm sure they would all. I, I wouldn't. There'd be plenty of people that would say, "Oh, do you, you know that would hook me up with a place to stay?" And they'd say they'd want to meet up, and you know there'd be lots of people that I w- would make the trip out to even meet me. It, that's our great Oilers fans well, are yeah, on Twitter. If I knew you were coming, I would come out to Edmonton and and see yeah. myself. It's not that far away either. And I I always say the same thing. Like even my friend Chester, who I was telling you about. Yeah, he came to Canada for the first time five years ago for a visit, and he came for three games, <clears throat> and I I went out to uh, Edmonton and and saw him while he was here. Well, given state given state UK's in at minute, we've just had a twenty percent decline in his GDP at today. Oh. So twenty percent that. So given state that's in, and the fact that it's raining, every rainy outside, I might I might not even bother coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, we're I'll, in such a mess. I wanted to ask you though. I mean, I don't want to take away your, your. I know you you have more things you want to talk about. But how, no, 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 it's fine, mate. Yeah, it's fine. What's the experience been like for you, uh, uh, hosting the podcast so far? Well, well uh, hosting it as myself or, 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 or duo. Like no, for you doing this podcast. What's what's the experience been like so far? It's been cool, mate. I, I I've. I just you just treat it like it's an ordinary conversation or exactly. with, with someone. Um, you know, it's like I mean, in a way, it's yeah, it's all online and that. But to me, I'm talking to you like I would if I met you in a bar in Edmonton. And the oh. thing is, when I had you on, that was your first podcast appearance, and I don't think at the time you had even planned to do uh, the Oil Brit prod- podcast. And then I mean, look what it's become now. So. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm just very proud of you, and I hope that you uh, keep going with it. And yeah, it's uh, a lot of fun to always talk to you. Well, it's a lot easier, Eric, having a pod 
having guests on than it is doing it solo because you've got someone to you know have a conversation with back and forth and you know it's you know to get their opinions and then you can respond to it there's nothing it's it's a lot harder when i'm doing it by myself Absolutely. But, but now i've got this and i'm able to do that and you know it's funny because I, I put a you know, I just drops a few DMs and just asking around like you normally do. And I couldn't believe that, I, you know, just get to see who's be interested. I couldn't believe response that I had. I had so many responses of people say, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And I'll, you know, I'll, I'll come on here. Just let me know when you want me on. You want to talk so nice. about Yeah, and it's just so nice. And I thought, great, I've never asked. But I've never asked because I couldn't have, because I, I, I didn't know how to do it on recording on Skype. But, the thing about it is I could have done it ages ago, Derek. Eric, sorry, I called you Derek then, sorry. The <laughs> <laughs> thing is, Eric, I, I could have done it ages ago because whether I'm on a Skype call, it doesn't matter who's the one recording. I could still I can still get that the recording, obviously, you know, as a pod. So, podcast. Yeah, you could still go back and get them, yeah. Yeah, so it, it didn't, so I could have probably done it anyway, but yeah, I've got it. I, I, you know, I did, you know, you to you today, and I did. Uh, I talked with Bailey, you know, Kelly uh, Tuesday, I think. So I'm absolutely, uh, um, because the main thing about a new podcast is, I'm, I'm going to probably annoy some people, you know, promoting it and what have you on Twitter, on, on Twitter and getting. I'm surprised by how many, you know, people's really tuned in to listen. You know, the fact that somebody's taking the time to. Listen, listen to what you've got to say. I just think it's really humbling and honor, honoring. Well, think of it like this. There's always people out there who are wanting more Euler content. Like, for instance, I host my own podcast, but I listen to almost every other Euler podcast. Just yeah, because, I do. You know, when, uh, <laughs> when, when I'm looking for something to listen to, that's the first thing I want to listen to, some Euler's talk and yeah you know i'm uh i'm excited uh to always have new content so yeah keep up the good work and i hope i have lots more episodes of the oil brit to listen to yeah and i'm really i'm really thankful for all help you've given me and i mean i've all you know when i when i sort of came to oilers twitter and that that's how i learned uh all things oilers i didn't learn by you know checking bob Stoffer out and Jim Matheson and all these people in media, I learned by speaking to fans. Because to me, the best way of learning of learning new stuff and learning all about Oilers and becoming really knowledgeable is by speaking to people like yourself, Oil Night. I didn't know anything about prospects till I heard till, till yeah. I listened to him. It's really great to learn about the prospects because you're learning about the next wave of talent on the Oilers and who's coming, right? So that's yeah, that's really interesting to keep an eye on. Like when you, we know who the superstars are, we know the Connor McDavid's, yeah. Leon Draisaitl's, or even Ryan Nugent Hopkins. But it's nice to know who are the guys that are going to be surrounding those players. Yeah, uh, and I mean, I mean, Oilers Live, Michael's podcast were they, that were the first one that I discovered. Before that. When I first came, before that, I was listening to, you know, Jim Matheson and you know what he's like. <laughs> we don't need to say more more than Jim Matheson. I listened to oil spills. I don't know. It was just more, it, 
you know, you know what he's like, morning. Um, Oilers need wingers. I don't know. Um, but I was listening to that. But yeah, that's really, and it were, uh, I think you were be- Kelly from Bailey, Michael, and uh, SPR all night. And I and I, I just found that really great to, uh, you know, get me sort of started and give me something to. And I think they were discussing, you know, end of season and Shirelli and all that. And I just thought that was great. And I've just gone from there, you know. And I never want, I know it's, there's a, you know, there's quite a few podcasts out there, Eric. And, you know, there's yours and there's, you know, there's Tyler's and, you know, Tyler's also been awesome and really supportive of me through it. And always here for advice, um, along with many others. Um, it's got so there's so many you know our country oil as well I see you know loads of them. I listen to them all and I'm always happy to support um, you know other other podcasts. I'm I, I I'm more than happy to appear on their show and help promote their show. Um, you know and I, I you know I'm happy you know and I want them I you know and I hope they, they can come on mine. And I, I think we've all got to work together because end of the day, you know, we've all got one thing in common. We're all Oilers fans, and I don't ever want them to see it as like a competition between, uh, between everything. because it's not. I mean, you know, end of the day, Eric, you'll probably agree with this. It's, uh, you know, more Oilers conversation and analysis, the better. Yeah, the more the better, as far as I'm concerned. Um... And yeah, yeah, maybe there is some people who will perceive it as competition, but I'm just looking to always have, like I said, more Euler stuff to listen to. And with all the different outlets out there, whether it be mainstream media or guys podcasting, there's plenty of different ways to sort of fill my Euler content for the day. And um, and yours is definitely one of them. But do you know, do you know though? I mean, I know I know a lot of. I mean, I've been on Oilers Twitter for quite a few years, so they know they know me, and I know all. You know, I know Michael and you know John Kyle, Oil Country Podcast. You know you, uh, Tyler. They, they've all been real. They've. I know none of them have ever perceived it as sort of competition, and and they're all great guys, and they all know that I'll I'm more than willing to help them. Um, and it absolutely shouldn't be a competition because, you know, we're we've got the same goal. You know, we all just give a bit. The reason I sort of started this off, Eric, is one, um, I'm obviously British, so I can give my take on the from coming from the outside, not being in Edmonton. Uh, two, I like to talk. Okay, um, and I, you know, I wanted to get practice doing podcasts because I don't want to, um, you know. You know, I, you you have your own guests and Michael has guests and that. So, you know, I don't, you know, I'm doing something on me own and that because I can't be hogging loving time. I can't be hogging everybody else's time and wanting to be on everybody else's podcast. So I've got this on my own and hopefully it can create me on. I mean, and also as well, you know, because I'm international and because I've got a passion for the Sheffield Steelers, yeah. Sheffield Steelers fans don't don't have a podcast. The Steelers fan base doesn't. Um, it's a bit kind of difficult because a lot of my uh, people I listen to this are 
Canadian and North American at minute. So me talking Sheffield Steelers is not going to show much interest. But hopefully when everything all so probably I'll still mention them, but probably still probably be more oilers seeing as though we've got that that's coming up. Um and there's not really much going off with Steelers. But yeah, I, I definitely plan on, you know, doing pre-games, post-games for both teams, be it Oilers or Steelers. Um or anything what anything what what what's there to talk about really. But I just sort of spotted a niche and you know, I thought Steelers need a bit more fan input <laughs> because yeah, you know, we haven't got no Steelers fan podcast. So, you know, and I've been a Steelers fan for twenty plus years. So I want to. They need a bit. They need a bit of uh, honesty. <laughs> no, for sure. And I think that that's great that you can sort of use your platform here to yeah. talk about some Steelers hockey as well, and it doesn't have to always be totally oiler focused although i'm sure that will be the, the yeah. primary team you would talk about just because um of the importance of the nhl and you know that's where you're going to get a lot of your listeners from overseas but i don't think you should also ignore the the team no. that you sort of grew up cheering for and oh, yeah, uh, yeah. it's great to have that sort of uh, attention on sheffield yeah i i won't be a, i probably wouldn't have known about hockey if if they'd not been a steelers team here um because they've you know i've got i've got a lot of stories to uh, <laughs> i've got a lot of stuff that i could uh, tell but i mean it kind of all links in a bit because um you know there's a lot of, there's a lot of people over there in Canada that probably don't even know that we have hockey over here so it's about mainly you know letting them know that yeah we've we've got hockey over in uk we've had it for over 30, 20 30 years and we've had teams that are really successful. And to let them know that we've had players that have played over here. You know, your Theo Flore and, you know, your Brian McGratton. And you've got, you know, Anthony Stewart on Sportsnet, um, Paul Bissonnet and all the etc. and all these other players. Um, and to let them all know, uh, would Michael and you and all those on Twitter that I've told know that Stanley the birthplace of the Stanley Cup was made in Sheffield at a, you know, that was where the Stanley Cup was made. You know, all these things never get talked about. So it yeah, gives me sort of a platform to talk that talk and let people know. Well, I knew that it was Lord Stanley's cup. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that it was actually, or maybe I had heard, but I didn't. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It was made in Sheffield. Yeah. Well, that is really interesting because uh, anytime you can talk about the legacy of the oldest trophy in North American professional sports history, yeah, uh, to say that yours is where it's from, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, and that's what, and that don't often get mentioned. And you know, I, I'd be interested to uh, you know talk more about that. And do you know, I found that I mean that we. You know, we pit, we've got a connection. We you know we Pittsburgh as Steel City and all that. Um, so, but that you know, you know, and just to tell people, just to let people know about Sheffield, and because do you know our do you know our city area? You know, as far as like national government and things like that, we don't get we don't get shit talked about us. 
they don't so you know we we're often ignored and people don't we never get a mention nationally or internationally sheffield so i want to let people know well you know one other tie-in that i guess between our two cities um cory sarich who yeah. played for a few nhl teams he's from saskatoon he brought the stanley cup in 2004 back here after yep. being the Flames, which I appreciated. <laughs> and then he ended up actually going on to play for the Flames later. But uh, his brother, I believe yep. his younger, yeah, his younger Rod. brother, Rod, Rod. Uh, another Saskatoon boy, uh, he spent some time in your city as well, I believe. Absolutely, 11 years. He still lives in Sheffield, from what I know. Uh, Rod Sarich. Made a good life over there and. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's plenty of things to. I mean, I don't know whether it's you, you know you want to ask me about this at some point if I you know if you have me back on yours, but I mean I will elaborate on it. Um, Rod, Rod, we Rod had a serious injury at one in one game in Sheffield Arena once, where he had part of his. I think he had to have a piece of his. Uh, I think it was his kidney that had to, to be removed because he got hit in boards. And he, had, and he nearly, it nearly ended his career. Luckily, he recovered, but he got hit once in a game on boards. And he had to go immediately to hospital and have part of his kidney removed, I think. That's pretty um, wild. Yeah, you yeah. have to worry about stuff like that. Yeah, because he had a... Yeah, it were, it was quite a bad injury that one we rod, but that I mean that's just one. Oh my, great guy Rod, tall guy, big big, big but fucker, um, yeah, really good guy, really good guy. I'd have to really, look. But, uh, yeah, big guy Rod Rod Sarich, um, really loyal servant to uh, Steelers. Played got some played on multiple uh, league league playoff championships. Mm-hmm. Um, with us, so um, yeah, I think he still lives here, and he's he were uh, quite a diverse player. Um, you know, he were a good offensive defenseman. He could play out wing when asked to, um, but he could. Uh, but he were good at transitioning. But um, he's played from played about eleven years, yeah, for us. Um, and to put a story, another story show in twenty thirteen, we almost got Corey Sarich. In the lockout to Sheffield, um, we did end up with Tom Sestito, but and uh, but we we almost got Corey Sarich. I remember once uh, at a fan shirt launch event in Sheffield, I asked Rod about any chance if Corey'd want to um, come, would want to come and play in Sheffield because you can look this up, Eric. In nearly it in interview, he did. Wants to end his career playing with it, playing with Rod. That was one of the things that he wanted to end his career on, playing with Rod Sarich. Right. So, and that was where he wanted to end his. <clears throat> so he wanted to be. It could have. So that was where he wanted to end his career on by coming over and playing with Rod. But I do, that never happened. We didn't work. I think he's got a family core, Sarich. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's. Uh, there's there's plenty of stories like that um, to uh, I could go into, um, but yeah, I mean, what 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 we on here? Once that, 
yeah, when you're coming here, come almost uh, to uh, near end, Eric. Um, so, um, but yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah, I urge everyone to uh, check Eric's uh, 99 Forever podcast out. Um, he's had, he's got some great guests, um, and uh, you know, real quality people, and he's. You know Brian Swain, Cheryl, or it's mentioned. You've everyone's been mentioned, and not that you mentioned your friend. What what's what's his name again, Eric? Uh, Chester. He will Chester, be Chester, on the yeah. podcast next. Yeah, and, cool. Uh, yeah, always good to have hockey conversations with him too. So I'm excited to have him back. Uh, just one last one. I was wanting to. Uh, I just thought I'd uh, mention while you're on. I watched the 1984 Stanley Cup final, Game 5 versus Islanders. Um, what a game. <laughs> uh, that team was really something. Yeah, that was the end of one dynasty and the beginning of another. And uh, Wayne Gretzky, the greatest player of all time, that was the first time he got his hands on the Stanley Cup at age 23. And First of four over the next five years, he would lead the Oilers to what a what an incredible uh, Stanley Cup final that was. What did you think? Oh, it just I'm, it, I could see how they nearly, uh, you know, when they uh, got those two goals back, yeah, back into the game a bit. They uh, there were probably a lot of nerves there <coughs> in uh, there in Northlands. <laughs> Do you remember oh, that one? And I'll tell you this, uh, he came into that game with 98 goals if you add up the regular season and playoff goals that year. And then he scored those two goals in the first period to get him to 99 and 100. So that's the only time in NHL history that a player has hit 100 combined goals in one season between regular season and playoffs. So. Just unbelievable performance by uh, number ninety nine. Yeah, the thing about it strikes, strikes me with going with that season is we they, they did can, I mean the save percentage of um, of Fuhrer and Moog. Yeah, what what wasn't wasn't great, and the defensive record of that wasn't great. But they didn't. But they they were they did they could have played it, but they never played it. They essentially so. You know, you had um, they had, but they had formidable offense. That's that's exactly it, and it wasn't <clears throat> it wasn't a defensive era. It was an era of free flowing, exciting end to end hockey. And when you just look at the way that the game has changed over the years, with the advancements of goaltending equipment and training specifically, you know it's. It's not a surprise that there are fewer goals scored nowadays, but that doesn't take away from the the goalies of that era. You know, they those were still the best goalies of their day, and you know, yeah. Grant Beer was arguably the best goalie in the world for a period of time in the eighties, and I'm uh, I'm glad he was an Oiler. Yeah, I mean, Paul Coffey were formidable defense. That oh, I mean, they, it, it then that points total that season for Coffey. Yeah, he well, oh he was God. second in the league in points in '84. You no, know, he I was. Mean, just... It's you know, it's it's un- unbelievable. Tom? I mean, you know, I mean, you know, uh, 
Yari Curry and Gretzky and Yatikin and they, you know, yeah, Glenn Anderson and Messi, they were just stacked. They, that that Oilers dynasty, that Oilers team and dynasty has to be one of the best to have played in the NHL. It, it, it's Easy. arguably the best or second best right up there yeah. with a couple of the Montreal Canadiens yeah. dynasties. And um, yeah, once again, I think we're all just so blessed that they played in Edmonton and that uh, the fans got to watch them for as long as they did. But I mean, they were, they, you know, they were like sparklers in crowd and do it. It, yeah. it went absolute huge. It was, it was just so huge in that. And the, and the thing is, you watch those games and <clears throat> I don't care what anyone says. If someone says that the goaltending was, was not as strong back then, that's exciting hockey, lots of talent and just, not as many systems and structured play. They just went out there and played and Man, was it exciting in those days. And that Oilers team was as fun a team as you'll ever watch. So I encourage everyone to go back and watch those highlights. Yeah, I mean, but that was was amazing. Um, But they won the game 5-2 when they played a 2-3. Was it 2-3-2 format that year, which I think we only played twice after. After right, um, but they never, it never got to a game. They never got past back to New York. No, they, they never finished won. it in Edmonton. So one, that was they, cool. they, they split on the island. They both won one game and they came back to Edmonton. They won all three games in Edmonton. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm real. We we're so privileged as fans to have you know the and players that have played for us. Happened you know, in May of 1984, so five years before I was born. Yeah. About the same for you too. Yeah, it's about yeah, it's about five and a half. Yeah, nearly six. Yeah, yeah nearly six. But yeah. it's crazy that by the time we were born, the Oilers had already won four or five Stanley Cups. Yeah, I I, I just were watching it on uh, NHL TV, and I thought I, I wish that I'd been I'd been alive to have <laughs> been there and seen it. Were you alive for the fifth one? Or no, you hadn't been born yet, were you? No, I was born that year, that December. You were born later that year. Yeah, that yeah, December. I, so. I was born five months after the Gretzky trade, and I was about a year and a half old when they won their last cup. But that's the only one I was alive for. Yeah, I was listening to Cheryl on that episode you did with Cheryl, and I'm thinking, yeah. you, you lucky, you lucky thing. <laughs> I'd, yeah. have loved, I'd have loved to have been there and seen and seen all live through all that. Uh, I well, want to like to live through Gretzky trade, but I'd have loved to have seen that. I'll live through the next uh, the yeah. next great era of Oilers hockey in the 2020s. It's like being living through. To me, that, that, that seems a lot like living through Beatles, because you'll never, there'll never be anyone that'll outsell Beatles. No, because it, you know it's just one thing that I just you can't see getting broken, getting broken. But the, um, but then again, and look, there's there's a lot of bands over in um, the UK that get big there that don't necessarily. Uh, that I mean, some come over and break into the U.S. market. Some don't. Yeah. Uh, I think of bands in the last twenty years, like Take That and Westlife, yeah. who were absolutely huge in the U.K. Right, but just yeah. didn't, didn't necessarily cross over to the North American market. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just one of the. 
it's just one of those things, you know, like once in, you know, once in a lifetime things that you just don't get to because it because it's so the ceiling's so high and they set the bar so high, it's what impossible you, to reach it. I think the closest has been. What's the closest England's come to producing the next Beatles? Uh <coughs> it's pretty, it's pretty. I think the near that well, it's not in Britain. Um it's probably the nearest the nearest to Beatles is probably Elvis Presley in terms of pop. Um best selling yep. best selling boy best selling um, boy band. It weren't a boy band. The thing is Beatles were different. It would it, it, it were different sort of band, but they invented a genre on of their own, skiffle. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of hard to find a. You, they can't be really. A, it's hard to find a. They remade music. We what they just. But I don't want people to say this is sacrilege or anything, but probably in recent years the the like the biggest act to come out of the UK in recent years has to be One Direction, though, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it, the thing is though is Eric is it's the way the music industry is at the minute. It, 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 see, it, you know, because they don't, they do more touring than they do yeah. recording in a studio. It's hard. It, it's hard. The the economics of the industry have, are no longer what they used to be. Exactly. So no one's not, buying. No one's buying CDs anymore. So the way you make money is by touring and, and merchandise. Yeah, that's that's what I. That's how I. But I mean the. I think probably it's in for that era, closest probably be um, in terms of innovation. Um, I don't want to make myself sound like a fan, but just being alive at the time, yeah, uh, it's probably. But in terms of like craze, um, I weren't ever a fan. You know, like Spice Girls. You know, given all craze that they had. was Spice Girls bigger than One Direction though. Well, in terms of well, in terms of well, not really. In terms of popularity and craze among fans, it's got to be pretty close, right? It, 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 it's you've got to say one direct one. Well, I don't know. It's different. They, they, uh, Raymond and because they weren't but, at the same era. Right? I would Spice no, Girls no, no, was no. like nineties, yeah, and One Direction was in the twenty ten. So different, different. Yeah, time. the thing was is with Spice Girls is they weren't they weren't really. I know they'd had Destiny's Child, but they weren't really girl girl bands around. They sort of they yeah. sort of set the they sort of set set the bench, you know. For you know, they were sort of the um, the standard pioneer, pioneer, yeah, the, like the pioneers. pioneers. Yeah, but that that was what. So in terms of like a popularity with them, that would be what. Um, but I mean, one day they they were mainly popular because they were by. It's funny. It's funny actually. I know about this because that's what I, I did a bit in music industry. I okay. used to do. I did. I, I did some. I, you know. You know. We all this X Factor and shit. I know that. I've watched a lot of music, but that's that. Were I would say the spot. They sold eight, 80 million records. So I don't know. It's a different kind of world that we're in. Different era. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the yeah. UK definitely has produced. Uh... A lot yeah. of talent over the years. Yeah. Um, anyway, Eric, um, I've took a, we're nearly getting back to uh, nearly an hour. Like a pro- yeah, it's, it's great um, to do 
Euler talk and uh, fit in a little music talk too. Why not? Oh, no. I hope they don't. I hope they don't think. Oh God, Toki, what's he mentioned? Spice Girls for? It's not very man, <laughs> not really manly. Um, oh no, that's okay. <laughs> we live in a we live in a world that's more accepting now than ever before, and I I don't care. I think I think I <laughs> had a crush on one of the Spice Girls. Oh my God, Emma Emma Bunsen, Eric. Oh, she was God, yours. She was, oh crush. Oh Emma Bun. Everyone <laughs> likes Emma. <laughs> Everyone yeah, she was. She was. Uh, she was definitely one of my favorites when I was a kid too. Yeah, I think there were a few girls when I when I were at school that were really upset when Jerry left group and all. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> loving it. Was, uh, but, uh, looking back, she was probably one of my favorites too. So I know, I know, big two big say by the bell, bell say by the bell fans as well and all. Uh, oh but, yeah. We'll have, to, we'll have to talk about that on a future episode and all. Well, yeah, you'll have to have me back and we'll do this again. Well, that's what I was going to say, Eric. Um, you know, everyone who listens to this, definitely check Eric's show out. Great, great podcast. He's got some great guests on, Chords People I've just mentioned. Um, big thank you, Eric, for coming on today and, you know, spending your time, even though you've not been as much under weather. Um, you're being a pro coming back oh, through oh, this. Yeah feeling better now once you start talking about the oilers it kind of wakes you up a little bit well yeah i want to do i want to do like thing because if we're talking hockey eric we're not talking about all the other crazy stuff that's going on um around well and that's probably why i sort of started it because i wanted to you know i just wanted to talk about something just a bit more positive a bit more uplifting rather than all depressing depressive shit and stuff like that that's going Much on better. at the minute so, so but but yeah i'd love to get you back on uh soon mate. maybe uh close more nearer to uh yeah. you know like the 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 season the game the series starting and we can do a proper preview yeah, on, uh, and i'd love to get you back and uh we'll talk we, we'll, i'm sure we'll have plenty to uh, talk last year about that so, i uh, so are we are we gonna are we gonna and, type- uh, and and uh, yeah so um thank uh thanks everyone for listening and uh, i'll catch you uh, next time bye